from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. Another Veteran November episode, folks. I hope you are ready and tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving for those that are tuning in on this lovely holiday week of Thanksgiving. We're recording on Election Day, so we're going to wish Happy Thanksgiving now. And we all hope to be thankful for no political ads. I think that's going to be the number one thing said on TV. Before we get started on today's awesome episode for uh, Veteran November, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button right below here and turn on the notification bell. So every day at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you get a brand new episode of Veteran November. You also get all of our other amazing, great, unique, amazing, unbelievable content. You know you want to do that. You can find all of our information on cyberhubpodcast.com. And without further ado, joining me on today's episode is my friend Stefan Semmel Roth, VP Cyber. What's up, Stefan? I'm having a wonderful day, but it is the early morning of election day, so I hope everybody else has a has a wonderful day, and uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, the reason, you know, I did Veteran November partially is because we've become so intertwined in politics, we've forgotten our service. And I think it's time that we all kind of look at that. And, um, you know, being that I'm letting people know we're recording this on Election Day, I posted something this morning and it's got everyone who's been on the show or, or this picture on there. And it, it's, it's, it's a great, diverse group of people who are patriots, who are Americans, who want to serve their community, want to serve others. And now they serve in the InfoSec community. Absolutely. It's it's. So I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, but it's really fun to watch the you know, the security fundamentals that we have from a different perspective and different uh, implementation and the frameworks and how those apply to the technology down the road. And to go back and you know to talk to guys like you and, and other people that have made that transition and see what it looks like on the on, on the outside and understand that oh yeah, all of those fundamentals that we learned so long ago still apply. To just have that reiterated back to us, you know, through you and the other people on the podcast uh, this month has been really fun to listen to. And it's it's always a challenge to go back and go, OK, you know, no matter how good I happen to be, which you know, is up for debate, obviously, all the time, <laughs> there are definitely people that are way better than me. They've got the fundamentals down, locked in and, and, to, and to go back and bounce ideas back and forth makes all of us better. And that discourse is wonderful. So thank you for what you're doing. And I'll step back and, and give it back to you. <laughs> well, so no, I I love what you just said. And yes, it's been a diverse group, right? Like I know we're recording and it's November 3rd and people are going to be like, well, how do you know, James? Well, I've been recording since October. I've been planning this since September and I've spoken to like, I think I've spoken to like 48 people and I had 40 say we'd love to come on. I've had several who they're um, big name CISOs who wanted to come on and they're PR and legal wouldn't let them because of the election, right? Because of the polarization. Like I've had a few PR firms that say, hey, we're not doing any speaking engagements in November because of the election. And I'm like, well, we're not talking about politics. We're talking about InfoSec and veterans. But even that's become a little taboo, which is, which is, you know, kind of a thing. But speaking of 40 people, all kinds of different backgrounds, people who've come from combat and people who've come from Intel and Signal 
and 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 Air Force, those guys, and you know the Navy, Arab, Muslim, Jewish, like literally, I had an order, like all the things, everything, like North, South, East, West, women, men. It's, it's all here, folks. It's, it's it's this is our country, and this is what makes us great. So, Stefan, enough about that. Let's talk a little bit about you, man. What branch of the military did you serve, and how long were you in for, and what did you do? Oh, well, we could spend uh, about thirteen seconds talking about that. <laughs> 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 um, so, I was Army, and uh, I did about eight years active duty post-commissioning uh, was one of the dirty officers. So for our listeners out there, you know, listen to my words and hate me for the things I say, not for the things that I did. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was predominantly infantry for most of that time, um, Afghanistan deployments, uh, ranger school, all, all that sort of stuff. And then uh, kind of, I'd, I'd had some security stuff before I was in the military and we got back from deployment, got a, a second unit and a couple other things and realized that uh, finally got the right x-rays, found out I'd broken my back. And so I thought, maybe the infantry is not the place for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> literal literal week's fine. And you know that's the point when the Army Cyber Corps was standing up. So I, I switched over to the Cyber Corps. Um, I, I got picked up, went down to, to Augusta, not too far from you, and I know you, you know it well. Um, and spent a few years there, got to do some, some interesting things and got to, got to leave and uh, have a hand writing some of the doctrine about how cyber protection teams you know, build out their ability to protect strategic assets across the U.S., how they train to do that and then how they, how they defend. So, um, you know, kind of an kind of a, a interesting path, one that I did not expect to take by any means, but it's where I ended up and I had a lot of fun and uh, met a lot of really interesting people throughout that journey so we'll get to augusta in just a minute uh it's i like the fact and i think something here to a lot of people who might be listening who are listening who might have been injured while they're in the service who are considering a medical discharge this transition to the cyber core um is is unbelievable because you know while yeah you still have some pt requirements i know that they're lowering those pt requirements now because they want to recruit people who are computer smart and not everyone looks as handsome as, as stefan does right like you know it's not every, you know it's n- not everyone is 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 you know five foot you know six foot one 180 pounds um you know, there are very smart computer people who could never do the two mile run or the PT requirements, but could be an asset to the military. And I know there are discussions right now around kind of those PT requirements within the infosec world of, of kind of adjusting those or, or, or whatnot. And I hope those, that happens because then people within the service who are heading to a medical discharge might stick, stay in and make a career out of it in infosec. Absolutely. And, you know, from coming from the infantry side of the house where you carry heavy things far and do it quickly to the um, to the infosec side of the house, it's kind of hard. There's you know, there's some cognitive dissonance in there, even internally of what is it that we need to do and how do we need to do that? And what's the profile that we're looking at? And the answer is all of the above. Right. We have to have a diverse force. We have to have, you know, the the guys that. can put on 150 pounds and walk up a mountain 
And then we have to have the guys that can support them because they're all one team and all of that fight goes into the same thing in order to have outcomes that drive security. And uh, as we as we move forward, the percentage of, of what that mix looks like inside the cyber force, of course, strategically and operationally will change, but um, including more people that would otherwise have to get pushed out, I think is, is strategically from a manpower perspective, something that is that, that we should really look at as uh, as a defense force, and I'm I'm glad that it is being looked at, uh, you know, with a with a fine tooth comb. Well, it should be. Um, our 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 troops and infosec are one of the same, and what used to be you know human intel operations are now cyber intel operations that save American lives, and so the, there's there's no weight limit, height limit, or PT requirements to save an American life. I always say to save an American life, irregardless of how it comes and in what form or factor, is just as important. Um, let me ask you this though: so you went to Fort Gordon, and it was right at the very beginning of really white lawn in Fort Gordon. It was right when, at the time, um, um, General Nakasone was making those investments in U.S. Army cyber, moving from Fort Meade to Fort Gordon, spreading it out outside of San Antonio. What was it like to be in, in a place where it was just getting started? There was the whole thing of this is all new and, 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 and crazy, you know, to, to the state of Georgia really adopting Fort Gordon. I mean, at the time, Governor Deal invested over $100 million in building the Georgia Cyber Center. Um, a lot of active economic developments and kind of Augusta went from a city that was busy 10 days a year for the Masters to having a very high active military presence that really they weren't used to before. What was that like for you? Oh, so there were a lot of a lot of really interesting both opportunities and challenges with that. And um, you know, if you look from like the infrastructure side of the house of just what kind of Augusta is, used to be surrounded by the Masters and Fort Gordon and, and kind of a downtown. Um, to what it is today are two very very different things, and that progression, that evolution, is something that. Is, has been really interesting and fun to not just watch, but also live through while I was still there. And uh, going through from an organizational standpoint of trying to define what the objectives are, how do we get to those objectives for security? Um, and then getting the talent aligned with all of those aspects and building it out and scaling and you, like any organization, scaling those outcomes is incredibly challenging. So, um, you know, all the way down to the rubrics of what people come learn when they come into the, you know, a, a new type of unit, what are the outcomes that you have to know? You know, getting back to security and fundamentals, do we start with, you know, NMAP and, you know, connecting to a port, or do we start with what the threat looks like and then backwards plan all of that macro down to what the technological inputs are so that way we can build the knowledge and the skills and the abilities inside of an overall framework, train people up, and then get them deployed in a way with often early on with organizations that didn't understand what we did. So there was an incredible amount of stakeholder engagement to get commitment from the units that we were supporting to even play ball. And by the time you wrap all of that together, um, it was, uh, it was it was a, a pretty fun challenge. It was a tough challenge, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of people with scar tissue that that fought the good fights to to bring it to where it is now. Um, 
because not everybody had the same vision coming into it and getting all of that talent motivated in, in one direction and empowering towards the objective of defending the U.S. strategic assets across a number of boundaries was a whole lot of fun, uh, super challenging, and it will continue to be ongoing because within the domain, the cyber <laughs> domain, it's, you know, change is why we exist. And if not for change and embracing it and being a leader and saying this is where we need to go next, uh, we would still be losing those battles. And, and you know, I think we're winning. I was in the second. I was not the first. I was in the second cohort of uh, of officers that got picked up for the for the cyber branch. So almost almost the beginning. Well, almost is is good enough, man. Um, that the first cohort and the second cohort pretty much defined what it is today. I think. So as as let's talk a little bit about your transition into civilian life from the military. So you know, being in Augusta, which is a city that's defined by Fort Gordon and Gulf. And kind of having a transition into the civilian life, what was that like for you? So, you know, everybody has their own use case in, in what it looks like. And to kind of frame my transition a little bit, um, my wife is also was active duty as well. So when I got medically retired, my wife was still in, ironically, the medical corps. She's a, a Army Nurse Corps officer. So... Um, my final PCS was actually PCSing to her duty station. <laughs> so we were still tied in from that. And I, you know, I, I became the army spouse, um, uh, for, for a few years and she actually just exited the military in August. So it's, it's, we're, we're kind of reliving that transition now and, and seeing how, how, you know, I get a chance to coach her through it. So there was, there's that piece that, um, for me, it was kind of a phased exit because, you know, we're dual military and then also, you know, going through reconstructive back surgery, I didn't know if the Army was going to retain me, period. And because of that, I, uh, I did a, a, you know, kind of a couple master's degrees because the veterans grants were great. And the, the last one that I did while I was still in, uh, which I actually finished after I got out, and I would had that, thankfully, that base to, to move forward, um, was focused. <laughs> so... Usually you go through an MBA and you come out having lost money. I went through an MBA and said, hey, I've got this idea for a new business. And I was able to talk with my classmates and for all of our projects and deliverables that we had, I convinced them to use my idea as, as our homework, as our case studies. And so I ended up coming out, what I think to be ahead by having all that free consulting and, and all that labor of love from my classmates because we needed to work on something. So there's that transition as well. And then um, when I got out, I did start a company. So I founded a veteran focused cyber recruiting company. Um, and I've, I've never done HR. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I, I, I was never one, you know, in the, in the one shops for you military people understand what, what that HR side of the house is. <clears throat> I'm not an HR professional. I'm not a recruiter, but darn it. I can read books. I can do some analysis. I understand what threats are. I can align all of that up. I can, you know, convince a few people that they should at least try to find a job through me and then go out and talk to clients and educate them on what it is that veterans bring to the table and align those two and make some sort of a profit. And I, I did that through substantial pain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, you know, when you combine all of that together, I think you know, my wife being military and kind of having that phased, phased output in transition and then um, being able to have something that I could dive 
deep into fully into the, you know, start a business, get it built, get it off the ground and then try to scale it. Um, you know, I had that plan going forward and the plan itself was just, you know, you build a plan you put a target and you execute. Gee, it sounds like what we used to do every day. <clears throat> and then there's those points. And I, I still try to, you know, as I'm coaching veterans, I try to talk about the points that they're going to struggle with, or at least be able to have an allegory for the times when I struggled as I transitioned. And for me, the, let's see, those, there were kind of like three major milestones. The first one, when the army said, we are not going to retain you. Okay. That's kind of the smallest one. That's just a piece of information. I've got some time. I can play with that. I can come to terms with that. Fine. The second piece, when you finally sign out and you drive away, no matter what emotions you have, you will have emotions when you drive off. You might be turning around, you know, pissed off <laughs> and upset. You might, you know, park the car at the gate and cry before you leave. You might leave and then turn around and go, do I go back? Am I going to make it out here? What, what am I going to do? Um, and that's the second piece. But really the hardest part, I think, is... Usually for most, most people that I talk to, it's that three to six months after they're out. The honeymoon phase is over. They probably are locked into their new job. They're probably um, just getting to that point where they're trying to scale whatever that, that new context is of the, what their profession is that they're doing. And they're realizing that you know, the context and the lingo are different and the relationships are different and sometimes you can but usually you can't just kind of look across the office and make eye contact with somebody where you communicate let's go to lunch and this is where we're going with one look because you're so fully on the page and you don't have those intimate shared experiences that you have with somebody else at that point and that's usually when people start to crack a little bit and wonder if they made their their good decisions at three to six mark month mark so um you know that's certainly when i struggled uh because at that point for me um, that like three to three to six months was the make or break for my company. You know, I had a few placements uh, running into cash flow issues. Am I going to get paid? Am I going to launch this thing? Um, thankfully, you know, my wife was still working, so I had some more of a safety net. And um, you know, can I build this? Can I sustain this? What am I going to do? I only have so much control because my wife is still in the military. If I'm going to pivot, how am I going to pivot out of this? You know, that, that kind of, you know, you don't have a loss of sense of self, but you have a loss of the, a sense of the overall macro level of where you fit. And, you know, there's some, there's some loss with that. There's some grieving, there's some pain, but also there's some grit that you have internally that you're going to, you're going to put up, you're going to step to the plate, you're going to crush it, you're going to move forward and, and you're going to succeed. And uh, thankfully I did, but I try to share and share those experiences um, about those struggles because they are real. And if it's not, you know, as you're driving out the gate or three, six months later, it will be another point when you turn around and, you know, you see a meme that you're like, oh man, that's hilarious. It's just, wait, nobody understands that around me. And, yeah. whoa, now I got to, now what am, I got to take an early lunch. So yeah, it's, you know, it, it certainly is tough, but um, all of the things that we are good at, all of those things, apply and what i've found is outside of, of the military in that context the thing like 
many of my candidates get hired to fill a need and fill a gap. But usually within six months, they've not just filled that gap, they've changed the organizational structure of the company that they're looking at. They've solved three to four different problems through onboarding. They've already onboarded somebody else at their company and they've probably identified either a new market that they need to move into, they've closed the gap on a competitor, or they've driven some other ROI that the company did not expect because those were outside of the scope of their responsibilities and they did them anyway, because they want to win. Long answer. <laughs> it, 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 it's an important answer, um, a, a very important one. Uh, when you talk about your transition, you talk about the moment you drive off. And I think for a lot of people, that moment they drive off is um, it's it's a mixture of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to talk about that on, on, on election day as we're recording this, because, you know, if you uh, I, I've decided that I'm uh, not getting on social media today and, uh, and, and <laughs> a wise decision. And in my morning practitioner brief, in fact, I thanked LinkedIn personally and I said, thank you, LinkedIn for not letting out political ads on your platform for really um you know for all the people who did post politics they never showed up in my feed which was magnificent because i know some people did but but it was never in my feed and it was the one social media network where i felt safe in the last six months leading up to this election um Whereas then you go into these these other networks, you you kind of you know you get sucked into it, and and uh, talk we talk about that emotional aspect of driving off, and that's exactly what a lot of people feel. You know, November is is a very weird month, and if we look at this month, we can break down November with okay, this year is an election year. Every two years, it's an election year. Every two years, we have some sort of election in November, so we typically start the month um, heated. Uh, wondering our political features, letting, you know, 537 people try to, to, to think that they're going to, you know, I, I always try to remi- remind people that we vote as a nation for 537 individuals. That's it. It's all we vote for. And so on a national federal level, right on a local level, you vote for about an, an additional 10, maybe 12, depending on, on, on the build out of your of your your locality. And so we're, we're, we're covered with that. And then Veterans Day is a week later. And that's a day where we feel good and patriotic. And then about a week and a half after that is Thanksgiving. It's the month, it's the day where we give thanks as a nation, right? We're thankful. Um, and th- it, it's a roller coaster of emotions, right? Like, you know, people who are very passionate about politics are very passionate on November 3rd, right? And then you try to find the gratefulness, the, 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 the greatness of our nation, the greatness of our people. And that kind of starts to show on Veterans Day. But it really is highlighted in Thanksgiving when families get together um, and we're around the table. And, and you know, I, for for as long as I can remember now, I've been this been out sixteen years. I've always got extra chairs at Thanksgiving. Those extra chairs are the people who didn't make it home for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's um, that's critical as important when we talk about this and we talk about transitioning out of the military. We have to be grateful that we one had the opportunity to serve in the greatest military in the world serving the greatest nation in the world 
protecting the greatest people of the world, regardless of who they vote for, their, where they come from, whether they're brand new immigrants into our nation or people that have been here since the inception of our great nation. Everyone has a role to play in this American story. And we know that from our service. You and I have served with people who were first-generation Asian Americans or uh, people whose family escaped uh, Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, Sudan, Eritrea, uh, Rwanda, places where they they were having genocide. Uh, European Americans, we don't talk about them very often, but people that have migrated here from England, from uh, Ireland... Chris Roberts, you know what I mean? A great example in our community of someone who who immigrated to our nation. Eddie Boyle, Doyle, sorry, Eddie Doyle over at Checkpoint. Another guy who immigrated to our nation. European that have come here and made America their home and picked this nation to live out their life and raise their families. And so when we talk about that moment of walking off that emotion, I, I try to remind people when, when you're going through that emotion, just be grateful for the fact that you had the opportunity to serve your nation and just look ahead and realize that when you're going into InfoSec, you're going into a greater mission, that greater mission of serving now uh, American organizations and companies and defending them from uh, uh, um, uh, foreign or domestic terrorists that are trying to uh, impact them as well. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about how you got into InfoSec. We talked a little bit about your transition. Let's talk a little bit about your entrepreneurship. It's it's And, and we're almost out of time. I'm trying to boot these at 30 <laughs> minutes, but we're going to go over folks. So just bear with us. We'll, 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 we'll try not to go over too long, but, but um, what's really unique here is, is you went into entrepreneurship. So talk a little bit about that entrepreneurship zell that zest that kind of pushed you to kind of go and do your own thing oh yeah so gosh um (laughs) i i i think i you know if, if i go back um you know really really go back i i kind of had that spark my whole life and i didn't fully know or understand or appreciate it early on and the first the first distinct memory that I have about entrepreneurship that I'll share with is um, I was doing menu design for my lemonade stand outside of the house for 4th of July. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and when I say menu design, I literally was like, I, I called it Garfield's lemonade stand and I put a picture of Garfield on the top and I had the number one item on my lemonade stand was lasagna. And that's when I learned about intellectual property rights because my mom sat me down and told me I couldn't have Garfield on the menu. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of, kind of taking that to the, to the logical end, um, you know, why did I, why did I choose to, to go to a military academy? Cause it was probably in my mind at that point, the hardest thing I could do. Why did I choose to go into the infantry and go to ranger school and, you know, pursue a deployment to Afghanistan because it was the hardest thing I could potentially do. Um, why did I start to start decide to start a company in an area that I knew nothing about in a market that I knew nothing about in a product that I knew nothing about, except the people I knew the people were amazing because it was a darn hard thing to do. And I like those challenges. I relish in those. And, you know, as we progress in our own careers, et cetera, picking the next thing that is a challenge is, is incredibly 
you know, obviously challenging because it's in the word, but it's also incredibly rewarding to, to see some sort of, um, of scope change in your life and, and drive towards something else that didn't exist before and create something is to me intrinsically rewarding and, and a whole lot of fun. And if you can do that and, you know, align some dollars worth it, it's awesome. But I tell you what, six months in, when you've got the placements and you're waiting for the cash to come through and you don't know if you can make it and you're just hoping that one of your clients pays their bill early so you can keep going and then it happens and you win you're like okay now it's gamma <laughs> now we're gonna compete um and then and then you scale you know it's uh obviously i'm, I'm a little competitive <laughs> um no you don't say <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's also, it's a lot of fun. And if, if you can do it and you can meet a need and, and when I, when I sat down and, you know, I kind of did that like big brain thinking of what is it that I really want to do you know, other than a hard thing. Um, and I wrote the mission statement of the company. I said that, you know, effectively I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase here, but you know, every word in that mission was important. Every word in the vision was important. And, and part of the mission I specifically said is I will not actively recruit people to try to convince them to leave the military because I want the CMF to win, the, the cyber mission force. I want our defense teams to win. So that means that if somebody wants to have that conversation and, and try to compare and see, well, what would life be like after? I'll have that. But I try to step back and, and really restrict what those, those concepts are. And then um, uh, uh, you know, entrepreneurship is a challenge. And you have to have an inherent amount of hustle to succeed. So uh, I was coaching, uh, I say a kid, um, a, a young man who's about to graduate college um, from one of the many military academies. And he goes, um, and for him, he's going to be potentially going to the reserves. And he said, Stefan, I think I want to start a company. What do I need to do? And I said, well, you know, tell me about some of the things you do. And he goes, well, Stefan, um, you know, I, for our, our senior project, I knew the one that I wanted to work on, but I also knew that cross-disciplinary teams are where it's what we needed in order to win at this competition for our capstone project, uh, international capstone. And I said, okay, that's great. What did you do? And he goes, well, I went out and I found the mechanical engineering department. I spoke with their head and I found these three other departments that were, I knew going to be inherent to our success. And I convinced them to not only align some of their capstone credits against my project that I was building, I convinced them to align actual college credit for those in order to make sure that the, the students would have some incentive to come and join me. And then all of that lines up to, you know, helping them graduate instead of just being on a project and in a competition. So that's hustle, man. That is hustle. You do that. Like you just, you, you found stakeholders, you engage them, you convince them of something, you built a plan, you built a product, you got your supply side, you aligned it with the outcomes and uh, uh, he's in the finals right now to potentially win this capstone. So like, like, yeah, you've got the skills to go out and do it and it's going to be a challenge it's going to be tough but if you're willing to put in the hours and you've got a good plan you can execute game on yeah the hours <clears throat> the hours of entrepreneurship are um 24 7 365 and there's a price there's there's a there's a price i'm, I'm a firm believer that i think if if we open the door for more veterans and more people who are discharged to go down the entrepreneur route we we've never seen an economic boom like we would see from veterans running businesses mm -hmm. um there's a level of discipline hard work commitment and also integrity 
And integrity is so important in business and so often overlooked, so often overlooked. There's a saying in Hebrew, and I'm going to say it in Hebrew and then I'll explain it. Adif Shem Tov Me'asher Shem Tov. So it means it's better to have a good name than good oil. Accurate. Your reputation is everything. And if you have good oil, but you got a bad reputation, well, then people may go for a lesser quality oil, but but a better reputation. People do business with people. People enjoy. People work with people. People do business with people. People interact with people they love. Right? People they appreciate. And, and passion says it all. And when you talk, you're passionate, man. You are. It's addicting. It's like the energy's all over the place. It's like ah, like like containing myself here today. And like I've been, I've been, I've been meditating all day, trying to keep my emotions. You know, being that it's election day, and being that apparently our nation is going to go to doom tonight, um, <laughs> depending on who you ask. But but I'll tell you what. Depending who you ask, no matter what they say, we can all agree to one thing: everything's going to hell tonight. <laughs> we can agree on one thing not who's gonna win that no matter who wins everything's going to hell tonight right and so i say i say that um it, it, it's good to have passion and it's good to kind of keep things um, um, um mellow and and, and 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 just go with it so as we wrap up here and, and i don't want to wrap this up i want to talk to you for like another hour but i can't ah, we'll do another session sometime we'll, well yeah we'll, we'll have to do one um, and I think we'll have to do something more alive and get more people to interact with us. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Maybe do like a like a veterans um, podcast towards the end of this month um, and do it kind of live and bring some of our guests and, 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 and yourself included and kind of uh, get together on a live platform and, and have a con- fun conversation. So what's one thing you loved about your military service? Oh, camaraderie. Boom, number one. Wins again. He... Wins again. Wins again. Wins again. Like everyone asked that question too. It's like the same answer. I had some people at travel. And I'm like, you've apparently gone to Germany and like Korea. Because some experiences may vary. Yeah, some experiences may vary. Travel, uh, Afghanistan. Uh you know, I have a theory about when God created Earth. There's a very uh my wife's Israeli, and so we watch a lot of Israeli TV. And Israeli comedy is really freaking hilarious because it's no holds bar. They have a show and it's it's essentially a satire comedy show. And it's about the entire Old Testament and the current state of Israel and Jews since the beginning of Jewry. And they, they, they have very funny like little like they take like little biblical skits, right? Like, you know, the Ten Commandments and uh, Moses's wife comes up to him and she goes, you should add something there. And he goes, what? And she goes, do not rape. He goes, go now tell all the people do not rape. Right. No, hard. <laughs> right. And, and she's like, you got to add it to the 10 commandments. And so, you know, it's a funny skit where, you know, Moses is trying to explain to Israelites. Oh, by the way, do not rape. Well, do you mean like, do not rape in the morning at night? Like what's rape, what's considered rape. And like the whole debate around rape. And they've made it into a, like a very kind of satire way of going like, why didn't we have do not rape in the Ten Commandments? It's a great question. Can you imagine if those questions that they, they asked in the comedy skit had been, you know, legitimate questions thousands of years ago where, where we might be as, as, a, as a people if that had happened? So, so <laughs> I actually went to a rabbi and I asked him that. 
And I said, why isn't there a do not rape in the Ten Commandments? And he goes, well, what about don't covet your neighbor's wife? Wouldn't that apply to do not rape? Yeah, it's too intellectual. Let's let's get it down to the masses. <laughs> you would think so. Do not murder. We still do it anyways. Do not steal. We still do it anyways. I mean, it's it's one of those where, where it's it's a very curious, but th- they do like really funny satire and they have one about, you know, the military because everyone in Israel does military. Mm-hmm. And um, it's 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 fascinating to, to, to see them talk about the camaraderie, the the brotherhood that you build in the service and the skills that you develop from it and the different backgrounds and the the time. When you drive off, you're emotional. And I'm going to end with this. When you drive off, you're emotional. And you said that so well. Probably the most eloquent way that it's been explained thus far in the podcast. When you drive off, you're emotional because it's an end of a chapter that feels closer than family. Because the stuff that we go through together on deployments is stuff we'd never wish to go through with our families. Because we kind of go through hell in deployments. Then we come home. But these these men and women that we serve these with these brothers and sisters that we serve with as well we go through that that bonding experiences that can never be taken away that you can not talk to someone for five years and pick up the phone and it's like you never stop talking and that's yeah and and you're emotional because you're driving away from that and you don't know what's waiting for you on the other side yet you're hopeful because you no longer have to wake up at zero five hundred and do PT, um, unless you're an entrepreneur. Unless you you're in some time, <laughs> right? But, but you know, but as an entrepreneur, I'll tell you something. Here's my secret entrepreneurial th- seek. I, I don't know about you, Stefan, but this is mine. I like to work out midday. I, I start my day at zero five thirty, and I'll work straight. I work in ninety minute sprints, mm-hmm. so I do ninety minutes. I take a ten minute, make myself a cup of coffee, you know. If I need to use the head, I'll use the head. If, if I want to just take a walk, clear my head, do a quick phone call. And I work 90-minute sprints. And then midday, I stop. I work out. I have a boxing bag. I've got a home gym right outside my studio in my office. And I do that for about half an hour, 40 minutes. I have a shower down here and a full kitchen. I never have to leave my basement. I could literally live here all day long. Um, and and I, if I can shower, I can, ref, you know refresh myself and and continue with my day and work again until you know 2100 easily and no, working out in the middle of the day by the way beats the midday lag just an fyi i'm a nighttime guy like my my best workouts and, and actually the best best work that i generally do historically has always been between about 12 30 and two in the morning <laughs> I know, that is, it doesn't make sense. That's my go-to. Does, no, no, it does. It does. It absolutely does. I knew one of the most genius people I've, I've met in, in, in my career was a guy who would show up to the office at 9 p.m., 9 p.m., and work until 8 a.m., and then go home. If it works, it works. Whatever your process is, as long as you're delivering results, who cares? Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We are out of time. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this one. I had a lot of fun on this episode. I was inspired um, because the, eloquently speaking, the idea of 
uh, walking away from the service and that moment you sign off and drive off um, is is a very very difficult moment and and one that's uh, life changing and, and career changing as well and so uh, Stefan explained it just magnificently. Um, that's it for us here today, folks. I'm wearing my Wounded Warrior hoodie today. I don't know if you guys can see that. But please, if you're looking to donate, it's the end of the year um, and you're fearing charitable, look for the many of many veteran foundations that are out there and support them financially. They definitely need to help. Um, you know, our country hasn't gone to war in four years. We haven't started any new wars, but don't let that make you forget the fact that we still have veterans that are still recovering from the wars of the last um, 70, 80 years um, in our nation's history. We've typically started a new war, several wars a decade. And so um, this might be the first decade, and, and I think it is the first decade that we have not gone into any new wars, and hopefully that'll stay that way and we can find where our military becomes a deterrence and not an attacker and our uh, brothers and sisters can stay healthy but if you are looking to donate somewhere wounded warrior foundation wounded warrior project i'm sorry uh, donate to them on their website it's in the link below that's it for us here today again folks thanks so much for listening thanks so much for tuning in happy holidays happy thanksgiving to you all um, stay healthy folks and stay cyber safe make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.